What's up everyone and welcome to episode 40 of the Justin Insight podcast. My name is Tim Birkbeck. I'm a writer. I'm a lover of films, music and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I'm your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, firstly, let me apologise that there was no show last week. Um, it was meant to be one of our wrestling roundtable shows, but because I messed up on my timings, didn't get around to doing it, uh, so had to skip for a week. But hey, we're back and we've got one hell of an episode for you this week. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, just want to catch up on things my end. Tell you how I'm doing. How are you doing? Who knows? Yeah, how are you doing? Anyway, sorry, weird kind of tangent there. Um, but I realised like when I kind of do these little intros, I kind of rush through it and just get to the to the meat of the episode because I know that's probably why a lot of you are tuning in. But um, I wanted to quickly touch upon something because uh, last week uh, marks World Mental Health Awareness Day and I'm by no stretch of the imagination claiming to be someone who suffers with any kind of mental illness or anything like that yes i have days where kind of i feel anxious and things like that things get on top of me but i wanted to kind of bring this up because i know people who are very close to me that do struggle with issues um and so on and so forth and i just wanted to kind of say that if you know someone that who is struggling uh just to kind of reach out be an ear do anything you can to kind of help um the reason I wanted to bring this up, I'm, I'm and I know I'm kind of rambling already, but um, there's been a lot of sort of things in the media recently around sort of mental health, whether it's a well, it is a real thing, but basically what I'm getting at is the massive waste of oxygen that is Piers Morgan has wound me up a treat recently about things he's said about uh sort of mental issues gender issues and so on and so forth um and but it's not just him it's, it's other people kind of in privileged positions that are just talking absolute bollocks about things that in 2017 should not be being debated and it's frustrating to to see in an industry that i want to kind of pursue in the media that so many so much negativity comes out um I know that the press, quote-unquote, is meant to be impartial and so forth, um, but I think at the same time they, they have a right to kind of debunk people like Piers Morgan that, in my opinion, just talk absolute shit out of their ass. Um So, yeah, just I've got to reiterate the, the fact, if you know anyone that's struggling, please just reach out to them or just kind of, just like gently say yo i'm here for you and let them move at their own pace um i've gone off on a on a massive tangent but uh gonna briefly go over my my week in review um i went and saw an opera which was interesting uh, it's called the golden dragon um it was kind of it's weird it was kind of basically four four stories that all interlocked it was based in this Chinese restaurant called the Golden Dragon, uh, but the main kind of theme of it was this kid who had toothache. Uh, I know it sounds weird, but to actually see it, it was it was quite interesting. Like opera's not my my bag, but we I got offered tickets through work, and I thought, yeah, why the hell not? And I enjoyed it. I wouldn't necessarily rush out to go again, but yeah, it was it was pretty solid. Um, and then uh, last Friday, I went and saw my friends in Ship Present playing in Southampton. 
Uh, they were playing with Flatliners and Prawn. Uh, Prawn were kind enough to actually record an episode of this show, so that will be coming up in the next few weeks. Um, and this kind of started something else off that I, I've actually picked up a, a pro- quote-unquote professional camera uh, for the first time in nearly 10 years. Uh, so if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you might have seen that I've posted a few pictures that I've been messing around with. Um, it's, yeah, it's just something that I kind of... I've always been interested in photography and I'm, I'm by no means a professional photographer at all I studied it at a level in college um but yeah I just thought why the hell not I had the opportunity to to use a, a digital SLR and I'm quite happy with with the results considering like it's some, as I say something I haven't really picked up for for nearly 10 years so looking to kind of do a bit more on that and just kind of yeah just it's more just a hobby than anything else but if you want to have a little look. Follow me on Instagrams x ginger tim x. There you go. Um, little self plug there. But right, I'm going to stop rambling on. I'm going to go straight into this week's guest, and it's an episode I've had in the bag for a while. Uh, but other things just kind of kept cropping up, which meant that this kept having to be pushed back. But I'm so glad to finally get this one out into the world. Uh, my guest this week is Will Brooks, aka MC Dalek. Uh, this was recorded just ahead of uh, their latest release, uh, Endangered Philosophies. Um, and man, it is an absolutely great episode. When I was talking to him, I was just in awe of some of the stuff he was coming out with. Uh, and it was nice to just let let Will talk. Like, my input in this is very minimal. He kind of just goes off, tells his stories, which which is what you want in these, these situations. Um, we got into how... Dalek came to be, how it sort of started off in the early days, uh, how they came to work with Mike Patton, uh, which has got, got quite a funny story to it, um, and how they just kind of follow the the punk ethos and how after a hiatus they've come back uh, stronger than ever in my opinion. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up for now. So please sit back, relax, enjoy my chat with MC Dalek, and I'll see you on the other side. So uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast, uh, I'm very honoured to to welcome uh, Will Brooks, aka MC Dialect. Um, Will, thank you very much for for taking the time to speak to me. Uh, well, is, is it afternoon that where you are, or is it morning? Yeah, it's uh, afternoon. It's afternoon. Two o'clock. Yeah. And <laughs> um, how are you doing? How is everything? Good, good, man. Cool. Doing all right. Um, basically, the the premise of the show, obviously called Just an Insight, the way that I like to start it is kind of uh, strip everything back. We like to kind of take it back to the beginning. So obviously I know you've been doing dialect for almost 20 years, but how did, what was your, your kind of background into uh, hip hop and how did the the collective become originally back in, in the late 90s? Um, yeah, I mean, basically I've been in hip hop for almost as long as I can remember. I, like my, my cousins uh, are older than me by probably like five years or so, five, six years. Mm. And uh, they um, uh, they were both DJs. One was the B-Boy. And, uh, you know, their whole crew was all about, you know, that early era hip-hop. And uh, I basically just grew up immersed in that DJ culture and that B-Boy culture. 
Um, so I was like the little kid that, you know, I wanted to be like my older cousins. Like yeah. They were like my older brothers, you know what I mean? So um, they're the ones that introduced me to, you know, Treacherous 3 and Grandmaster Flash and, you know, everything up to, you know, Chaos 1. Like I remember my cousin Eddie's the one that introduced me to Boogie Down Productions and, uh, you know, that that kind of, you know, sparked like what, what, uh, what I did in the future. But, yeah, I definitely got to give them credits for, uh, you know, teaching me how to DJ and... Mm and getting me into hip hop um and then uh I mean as far as our as far as my collective uh, that I mean like I've you know I've, I've been in you know I was emceeing since I was like probably like 15 yeah, 16 yeah. around there um I was DJing since I was like 13 or 14 so um you know, I, you know all through high school and everything I was in different you know little hip hop groups and all that but um I mean I don't know I guess uh I definitely knew early on that this is something that I wanted to do, like, you know, for real, like, not just, you know, a hobby. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until, I guess, till I got to college that uh, I really met all the key players that really um, became, like, you know, the members of, of the group and, of the group and also the collective and just musicians that, that influenced me and that, that, you know, that I still really rock with to this day. Mm. Um, I, I guess the one exception to that would be uh, DJ Rec, who I met when I was in high school. And, uh, he, you know, he's uh, he's currently the DJ in dialect, but he's he's the dude that uh that actually taught me to use uh samplers. He taught me how to use SP12 and the MPC3000. Okay. And so really, like without him, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be doing like the production <laughs> side of stuff. Yeah. But um, it was when I, when I got to college, I I basically met uh met Octopus, um, met Joshua Booth from All Natural Lemon Flavors, um, also met my man uh, Angel Fernandez who was down with a whole crew of MCs and producers from the, like, Union City, Jersey City, and uh, North Bergen area uh, in New Jersey. Mm. And so he's the one He's the one that introduced me to, to Oddity, to, to Complex, to Dev One. Um, you know, so it basically was, like, the, those college years. It's funny, like, it was, like, real formative as far as, like, influences in music and people that I would end up working with for, for the next, you know, 20 years of my life. Mm. And... Growing up in kind of New Jersey area, was that kind of big on on the influences? Because obviously that kind of genre fits with that kind of time time period. But was that quite a hotbed for for hip hop at the time? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jersey. Um, I guess you know because uh, Newark is in you know the shadows of New York. Like, yeah, I guess Newark never really gets the shine that it deserves. But if you look at a lot of artists that were coming out back then, we had a lot of people coming out of Jersey. Like you had, um, you know. You had uh, Redman, you had uh, Artifacts, you had Queen Latifah, um, that whole like flavor unit. Yeah, I mean, was was coming out of like the, the Jersey area, um, you know. Like, so there, there's there's always like, you know, I guess like like uh, I'm missing some naughty by nature, uh, uh, poor righteous teachers. I mean, there, there's just a slew of, of MCs and groups that came out of here, but I think people just associate them with like the the New York scene. Yeah. Rather than you know than a New Jersey scene, I mean, because of the proximity of the two cities. Mm. And you mentioned obviously you were sort of emceeing from a very very early age, and kind of the producing thing kind of came a little bit later on. But was was producing yeah. something that you always kind of had an interest in, or was it just because the people you uh, were with and surrounded by that you kind of dabbled in that side of things, and then it kind of progressed naturally? You know, the, the funny thing is, oh, I started as a DJ in a hip-hop group, mm. and I wasn't an MC at all. Oh, okay. Um, 
Yeah, so I actually started like you know doing doing cuts for for this hip hop group, and all through, you know through early years of like middle school and high and early high school, like I, I you know I start, when I started rhyming, it was almost like what, what happened was I was in a group that had uh, it was two MCs and two DJs, and then one of the MCs left the group, so the MC that was left was like, yo, like why don't you you know you have a good voice, why don't, like why don't you try rhyming? And I was like, I never even really thought of it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I did it like on the lark. I was just kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever. Like, you know, we'll write some songs, and they were, you know, they were terrible. I was an awful MC when I started, <laughs> but um, but it definitely, I mean, like it definitely, you know, sparked an interest. And I've always, you know, I've always been interested in, in you know, and I mean, like, you know, not not, you know, when I was like fourteen, but I mean, like as I got more interested in, in literature and poetry, and you know, the beat poets and stuff like that, like MC and just something that you know just became natural. And mm. it's weird, like I I, I couldn't. I can't think of my life not being an MC now, but it's, it's strange that when I started, I, I wasn't at all. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, the production thing kind of that grew out of, I guess like early on, I would make like um, I would have like other, I would have like MCs at, at my at my you know my bedroom like studio, which wasn't even a studio back then; it was just like turntables. Yeah. But we would like make like you know we would make loops of cassette tapes of like instrumental pieces, and I you know everyone in the neighborhood knew that I was doing that, so I would have all these MCs coming through. And you know they would they would rhyme you know like little loops that we would make or whatever, and uh, I remember like if there was like samplers that I'm sorry um mixes that came out that had like some sampling capabilities so I started messing around with that, and then uh, when I met Rec, that you know that's really what changed everything because he he came like he already knew about like the SB12 and you know the SB1200 and the MPC60, so he really he's the one that you know he showed me how to use the SB12 and that's 900. And uh, you know, just really showed me how like you know, like how how production works. You know what I mean? So again, like from there, like that, that you know, that's like another bug that I just caught. And again, like, I couldn't I couldn't imagine not making beats now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, and ironically, it's like DJing is really like like I still DJ for fun, but I would not consider myself a DJ anymore. Yeah. It's weird how like like my primary like what I started as is kind of like you know backseat. Really? Yeah, so it's almost like the the thing you've started was has now become the hobby kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I also remember when I met when I met Rec, um, we it was funny. We were at a I met him at a at a friend's uh, Sweet Sixteen party. Okay. That I was DJing, and I and I remember like I was I was all cocky and shit because I thought I thought I was an L DJ. <laughs> I came up and was like Rec was like, "Yo, you mind if I get on the tables?" And I was like, "Yeah, go ahead." Like thinking like, "Yo." what's this clown gonna do and he got <laughs> on and I was just like oh wow I'm re- actually I'm not a DJ I kind of suck at it <laughs> so he uh he kind of you know he made me rethink reevaluate a lot of things in my life so I was like oh, maybe I should take this whole MC thing a lot more seriously <laughs> brilliant so and um, um, obviously when kind of dialect started coming to fruition and, and people started getting the buzz about it I think from listening yeah, the, um, well, the, the dialect thing started out of uh, that, like I said, that was in college where, where I met my man Octopus. Yeah, and uh, basically at that point, like I, you know, I was in a I was in a hip hop group, like I guess like my like junior senior year of high school. That you know that was the that was the one that I thought that you know you know we were gonna do it, we were gonna make it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, life doesn't really work like that. And um, you know, if, if you're in a group and if everyone isn't working on full cylinders, you, you find out real quickly that you know like this is a this is like a a profession and a passion a thing that you have to have passion for. You can't you know you can't half-ass it. And I think like a lot of you know like I'm not knocking like the, the heads that were with me, but it was like a lot of them didn't really want to put the work in. They just wanted you know shit to happen. Mm. 
And uh, at that point, like, you know, like I started, when I started going to school, like, you know, that, that whole, you know, started making new friendships and like those high school friendships kind of started, you know, not, not dissolving, but just like, you know, other, other, other avenues and other thoughts were coming into my mind of like how I could approach this. Yeah, so basically it's like, you know, um, when I got when I got to college and met Octopus, he, he was like, you know, he's like, yeah, I own a recording studio. He's like, if you ever need to record anything. And I remember I would bring him in cassettes and stuff that I was working on. And he was like, yo, you know, like, I would love to work with you. And I was like, all right. So when my high school group kind of fell apart, he was like the first dude that I contacted. And yeah. was like, yo, like, I'm, I'm going to start working on the solo stuff. And at that point, I had the MPC 3000, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, at that point, I was serious about, like, yo, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, for real. Like, you know, put a record out, tour, do whatever I need to do to make this happen. So when I met him, basically, originally, it was just, like, more of an artist, uh, like, engineer relationship where I was just, you know, hired him to record my, my material. Yeah. But basically, during during those sessions, we would, like, afterwards, we would just kind of hang out, like, drink, drink some beers and shit. And, you know, I would play him, because apparently he was, like, into hip-hop, like, back when he was younger, and then he would he had kind of fallen out of love with hip-hop, and he was more into, like, classic rock, and he was recording a lot of indie rock projects at that time. So, uh, you know, we I would play him, like, stuff that was happening in hip-hop. You know, like, I would play him the Mob Deep and, you know, Nas Records and Wu-Tang, and uh, he would play me, like, My Buddy Valentine and, you know what I mean, like, uh, Slow Dive and... Yeah, I mean, and also classic stuff. We would like sit there and like kind of build on like how we both like Led Zeppelin, and yeah, Black Sabbath, and that that you know just that like bond that we just kind of like you know just realized that we had like really like minded ideas. Like he, you know, I was telling him I wanted to do something with hip hop that wasn't traditional. That you know, just wanted to kind of just see like where we could take sound. And I remember when he played me about My Buddy Valentine. That was like the moment where I was just like, yo, I was like, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> I was like, like, I was like, yo, like, what, what is that? You know what I mean? And uh, I think, like, you know, that that kind of hunger that we both had for, for, you know, finding new things and creating new sounds and new styles. We started, you know, saying, like, yo, like, why don't we work our, why don't we work our together? Oh. And that was, like, the initial beginning of Dialect. As yeah. Because well. um, basically, like, Dialect was my, my MC tag. But then when me and him started working together on, like, on this kind of, like, out there, like, you know, just trying like all these crazy you know styles and you know adding all these crazy sounds um that's really when the, the group dialect began and we we um we had like i don't know we had like a bunch of material that we had recorded kind of just you know trying to find like what we wanted to do and uh he, like i said he was recording a lot of uh the indie rock bands at the time like uh Rye coalition the laps and uh van pelt and all natural lemon lot flavors and, and so basically like he knew about the whole like indie rock touring circuit and all that, and he had come from like the punk rock uh, background and you know hardcore background. So we used like that like black flag mentality, just like jumping in the van and you know playing wherever, mm. whenever. And we did that early on, he, like without a record. I remember we had like a cassette that had like three songs on it, just like a demo basically. And uh, you know we played we played some shows around New York and New Jersey. Um, and they basically just like jumped in a van and just started to play, you know, just reaching out to people on, on literally on, uh, I think it was like for probably Fugazi's, uh, like list of, you know, venues to play at. And we would like play, you know, people's basements and, you know, wherever, like house parties, clubs, bars, wherever, wherever, you know, like wherever we could play, we would play. Um, and that kind of got the attention of this label girl, Blaston, uh, who, you know, wanted to put out our first record. So we, we put out Negro Necro Necros with them. And I think 
you kind of addressed what I was going to say, but for, from the outset, you guys have kind of always been a bit different within the hip-hop world. And I think, as you mentioned there, kind of the, the mentality of jumping in a van and, and going somewhere. Was that... that obviously, I, I'm not really that familiar with, obviously, the American scene, but was that kind of a done thing in the hip-hop world in America, to just jump in a van and play some shows? I mean, honestly, I don't think so. Um, but I don't know. Because yeah. like, the thing is, like, back then, back then there wasn't really... I mean, as far as as far as I knew, like I wasn't part of any kind of like touring circuit yeah. in hip hop. I mean, it probably. I mean, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it existed, but we just weren't part of it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so basically, like we just kind of did it like out of op- you know just you know out of opportunity. It was like out of necessity, really. It was just you know we knew these bands that were out there playing shows. They weren't doing what you know what we were doing, but we kind of felt like no one was really doing what we were doing. So. I don't know. It didn't make a difference to me. I was like, what, what difference does it make if we play with like a rock band, an indie rock band, a metal band, or a hip hop group? Yeah. Like we don't really fit with any of them anyway, you know. So we just kind of just played wherever we we could play. And it's weird, like that. That mentality is really what got us everything that we've ever gotten mm. in our career, because uh, playing those kind of shows, like you know, like we played with everyone from. You know, like from the far side, De La Soul, KRS One, you know, traditional hip hop groups to Mastodon, you know, Faust, uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. experimental stuff, metal. Um, and we ended up doing some shows with uh, with Lovage, which was uh, Mike Patton's project with yeah. uh, Dan the Automator. And basically doing those shows, Patton like heard what we were doing. And literally like after, like we played, I think like three or four shows with them. And like by the th- by the second show, I noticed that he was like, you know, like every night he was like at the side of the stage watching us play, which I thought was cool. You know what I mean? Because I was like, damn, like, you know, like usually headliners don't stick around yeah, to of see course. what the was doing, but I was like, oh, that's cool that he's into it. And uh, I remember like, like at, at the last show, he like approached us and was like, yo, like, would you guys be into opening up for my other band in Europe? And we were like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we uh, went out with uh, Tomahawk. And then after that first show, I think it was in Belgium. Um, after after the show, we were backstage, and he was like, "Yo, like, what's it gonna take for me to me to put out your record?" <laughs> like, yeah, kind of looked at each other. The funny thing is that like, I, I don't I don't know if I've ever told the story, but I mean, like, I was I was kind of like I don't know, like, I I kind of felt like, eh, maybe maybe not. <laughs> like, I, almost, I was like I was like, eh, all right, I guess. And, like like Octopus had to talk me into it, which like, obviously I'm very happy that he did, but. Because in my head, I was like, oh, wait. I was like, yo, that's Mike Patton from, from Faith No More, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, like that video, the white boy rapping with the fish flopping around. <laughs> I, was like, right, I, guess. I was like, I wasn't really a fan, you know what I mean? That's and incredible. It's funny uh, you know, it's funny because, you know, I consider him like a very good friend now. And uh, I mean, like, I respect him so much as a musician, man. Like, just everything that he does. It's incredible, and it's just funny. Like, yeah, I mean, like back then, like all I knew was like that one video that was on MTV. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about Mr. Bongo. I didn't know anything about Phantom Mosque. You know, obviously didn't exist yet. But yeah, I mean, like Tomahawk, all that was brand new to me. Yeah. So it was just, um, you know, like once I got to know like what an amazing vocalist and amazing artist he is, I kind of felt a little stupid. (laughs) um, Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I'm I'm glad things worked out the way they worked out, man. Like, I mean, Ipecac has been an amazing home for us, man, and they've they've really, you know, they've provided us the platform to be able to say and do what we want to do. Mm. 
for for me personally, like my first kind of introduction of yourself was um, the Absence album, and I think for a lot of people, my generation, that was kind of the first sort of breakout album for for you, especially here in the UK. Um, but yeah. did did you kind of feel that that album was kind of like a, a lift off point that that was sort of the the start of things gaining a bit more momentum? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was when uh, I don't know. Like at that point, we we, we were like you know at that point we were doing dialect full time. Um, I wasn't I, for a long for the longest time. I worked as a car messenger, and uh, it wasn't even really like because of the financial side of things because it's not like you know we weren't struggling, but we were doing okay. And just because of the volume of shows that we were playing and how often we were on the road, it just didn't make sense for me to be, you know, to have like a day job yeah. at that point. I was just like, you know, I'm barely ever, at that point I was like, I'm barely ever in the United States at this point. I'm usually over in Europe. I'm like, so we might as well just keep touring and just, you know, do this as long as we can. Mm. So you, we definitely felt it at that point. Like, you know, we were we played uh, Roskilde Festival. We played uh, Euro Rockines. Um, I mean, the club shows got a little bigger and, you know, you could tell that people actually, it, they, it was weird. Like when we first started on like on those US, on those early US tours, like, you know, we would clear the room. Like, you know, we would play a basement with 15 people in it. And by the time, by our second song, like there'd be like three people left. Oh God. You know what I mean? Like, like people hated us. You know what I mean? Like, and, and we kind of like just reveled in that. Like I was almost <laughs> like into it. And like by the time like absence rolled around, like it was weird because like people were staying and people were actually coming out to shows to see us and I was just like oh like what, 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 what <laughs> what's, what's going on I was, like, I was like how come how come they're not leaving I don't understand <laughs> like I thought we were supposed to clear the room but um but yeah I mean like it's it's definitely it's humbling man it's, it's a it's a weird it's a weird position to be in man it's very humbling like when you have people that are actually coming out to, to see you perform mm. and it also you know like it, it, it at that point it, you know it took some you know it made us mature a little because early on man like I ain't going bullshit early on we were probably we were drunk as fuck like every show we ever played <laughs> um, and it was a mess early on but it didn't really matter because no one knew our song so you know what I mean like yeah. if they, like if, if we messed up a song no one would know anyway because no one knew the song so mm. who cares but um well, you know, by the time absence rolled around, uh, rolled around, like we definitely got, you know, we were like, oh, you know, maybe we should, you know, take this a little more seriously and actually, you know, you know, make sure that we, we we're putting on the shows we should be putting on. So it definitely, you know, like made us mature as musicians and as, as performers. And obviously, you've mentioned kind of like the the variety of like bands that you've played with and toured with and stuff. And obviously, it's, when people kind of see the hip hop tag, that they kind of expect it to be within a certain genre. But you guys obviously break that mold completely but was it just a case of finding comfort in those those weird lineups or as you mentioned earlier was it just a case of taking any shows that come and then built the fan base from there yeah i mean we we, we kind of always looked at it like we obviously you know we always wanted to play with bands that we that we liked yeah but genre was never was never uh, a factor you know what I mean? So like we we'd be more concerned about playing with groups that that we respected or bands whose music we were into. Um, but early on, like it's not even like we had it's not even like we had that choice. It was just kind of like we would play wherever we could. You know, mm. and like we kind of looked at it more like we're gonna play anywhere we can, and we're gonna we're gonna gain fans from all these different bands audiences. Yeah, you know I mean like like we we we'll play we'll play for you know with wh- whoever and 
75% of the, the audience is going to hate us, but 25% is going to like us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was that kind of thing, like where, you know, like if we just played in front of enough people, we could, you know, amass our own kind of thing. And I don't I don't think it was like, to be honest, like, you know, like I, we're not masterminds, man. Like I don't even think it was that that plotted out. It was just like, you know, that that's what was presented to us. That's, that's what we had available and we made do with what, you know, with where we could play. Mm. Um, whatever got offered to us that made sense, we would play. But again, like, you know, like I said, genre really wasn't an issue because... You know, we, even when we played with straight hip hop groups, like it never felt like we felt a hundred, we fit a hundred percent. So, like, I don't know, it, it just didn't, you know, like, we just figured, like, fuck it, like, we'll just play wherever, like, you know, with whoever we feel like playing with. You know? <laughs> yeah. And obviously, up until sort of, well, up until you guys did, did the hiatus, that the, the, it felt like momentum was like really behind you guys. You hit the ground running. Um, and obviously, we're, recording doing other sort of collaborative kind of things so so up until if, if we say uh gutter, gutter tactics is kind of like the cutoff point because that was the last recorded album before obviously um asphalt for eden so what what was that kind of like being in that kind of atmosphere of just everything's almost kind of go 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 kind of thing well i mean like that it, like you're absolutely right i, I felt like I definitely felt like we had we had a lot of momentum um, because it was always go go go. Um, you know, like the, one of the last things we did before the hiatus was uh, go on tour. We opened up for Tool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, like that that was that was an unbelievable, amazing experience. Um, but there's two there's two other factors. One, we're terrible business people. <laughs> two. Um, because we, we didn't capitalize on any of that momentum. Yeah. Because <laughs> we just, we never really think that way. Um, but two, because it's always go, 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 it, it has been go, go, go for, and nonstop for 15 years. Yeah. You know, and by the time, like, we got there, like, at that point, like, we were burnt the fuck out, right? Yeah. Like, we were just like, it basically, you know, like, when people ask, like, what happened, like, you know, like, why'd you go on hiatus? Like, honestly, like, it wasn't even, there was no... I wish there was like you know the great behind the behind the music story, but there really <laughs> yeah. isn't. It's just you know like me and Octopus are still boys. That's my brother. You know I, I was just chilling at his studio like you know a few days ago. Like it, that's not like that was never an issue. You know what I mean like there was never an issue between me and him. What it was was that you know we got to a point where we were just like you know the two of us like he brought it up, but like we were both I, not like it's not like it surprised me that like, we were both feeling it. He was just like yo like I don't think I could do this anymore. He's yeah, like, I, think I need a break. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, I hear you, man. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really, you know, it was physical, but it was also like, just like, you know, like psychological, like we just, you know, needed to, all we were doing, eating, breathing, everything was dialing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we kind of like, even as artists, we kind of just wanted to step away and do other things, you know, and like try other things. And so, you know, like that basically was like, you know, like I like, we, we did a festival, I think it was in Switzerland, where, you know, me and I, me and I got the conversation. We just like, he was like, yeah, I think, you know, I think this is going to be it for me. I was like, yeah, I feel you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was a hiatus in the sense that we stopped doing dialect, but neither one of us stopped doing music. Like, we both just wanted to do other things. Yeah, you know? of course. Um, was it- so basically, like, I, I, I spent my time doing, like, the Iconoclast project, uh, you know, producing other bands, doing remixes, and he started doing, like, more. He was living in Berlin at that time. So yeah. he got really into the whole like Berlin uh, club scene. Okay. And started doing like a lot of like bass heavy, like electronic stuff. 
Um, and that's kind of like where the like that the divergent paths went. So yeah. by the time I wanted to restart dialect, like his head really wasn't in it. Yeah. And like he told me as much, you know, he was like, yo, like I'm, you know, my heart and my head is really like in like what I'm doing now. And I completely respect that. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, and he understood that I, I still wanted to do dialect. So it was like even restarting, it wasn't like there was any beef or anything like that. It was just like, he was like, yeah, man, go ahead. You know, yeah. do that. He's like, I just, he's like, I just can't do it right now. What, so. And was it always the intention to, to kind of come back to it? Or was it just almost like um, a... I, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was ever. It was, it was less kind of like open. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It, it wasn't said like this is final, but it wasn't said like oh let's revisit this. Like we just kind of we were like, at that point we were just like yeah we just need to do other shit right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so like that was, again, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. You know, we we rarely ever plan anything out, man. And like I said, you know, like in, in retrospect, when I look at all that, and I'm like, damn, man, like we had just we had just come off this tour, like opening for Tool. We had, you know we were playing like all these crazy festivals. I'm like, you know, like we really could have capitalized on all that but we you know like i said like we don't really think that way like to us it was just like if we keep going we're not going to make the records that that we should be making yeah if we keep going we're gonna we're gonna you know we're not gonna be happy with what we do so let's just stop it while while we like what we're doing yeah um and obviously once you kind of revisited dialect obviously the the first album back was asphalt freedom um and from a from a fan perspective I think it was everything that I wanted it to be like it just seemed like almost a, not I wouldn't say a return to form because I wouldn't say you ever dropped off a form but it was just like the perfect return so but for you as the artist putting it out was it were you quite apprehensive and tentative thinking what's the reception going to be like because I, I know it was only kind of a four-year gap but a lot can happen in that time yeah yeah no I mean like you know it's weird man because it's uh it's like that fine. It's like the, it's like the fine line, like where, you know, it, I'm. You know, I've, I've always said that the music I make is, you know, primarily for me. You know, mm. It's very selfish music in the sense that it, I've always said it's like my therapy. It helps me be normal in life. Um, but I'd be lying if I said, you know, that I didn't care what people thought of it. Of course you do. Every musician does. You know what I mean? Like that's, like you know, and. Oh, especially like you know after after releasing all the records that me me and Octo released, my my major concern was that I I would never want to sully what we had done. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean like I don't, I would never want to release something that, yeah, you know I mean like have people be like oh yeah like you know like that it, they were great up until that one record that tried to come <laughs> yeah. back and put out and sound like trash. You know what I mean? Like so of course I was aware of that. So there was like there was a lot of pressure on that. Yeah, you know I mean like on myself. You know what I mean that I, I put on myself just like. But like that was there, that was in my head, you know, like from the second I thought, like, yo, like I want to do this again. Like I knew it was gonna be that kind of challenge. Mm. Um, and I remember, like, you know, like we, like you said, a lot could happen in four years, especially now, man, in the music world. Like four years is that's a lifetime. Yeah. You know? So when we uh, before we released the the record with uh, with Profound Lore, like we we basically uh, there was like a re-release of uh, I think it was uh, Filthy Tongue. Yeah, I believe it was Filthy Tongue. Yeah, Filthy Tongue on a on a French label. So we set up a tour around that. Um, they had released like a double vinyl of the record. So we set up a tour around that. And honestly, the the idea was because I wanted to see like who who's going to be coming out to our shows. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because because I was like in my head, I was like, man, if it's going to be like a room full of forty year old dudes, <laughs> I, I should just pack it up. You know, listen, man, like, I'm, I'm 41, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not, like, I'm not the target audience. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 
no one no one in my age group is coming out buying records and if they do like you know like we're, we're the rare like music you know nerds you know what i mean like and that's fine that's great but you really need like to have younger heads into what you're doing to be able to sustain this otherwise you know it's kind of pointless you know yeah. what i mean so when we did that tour like i was just really like happily surprised man because like the audiences are very you know very mixed like there's the there's the old heads you know the older fans of that with us from you know from way back and then like there's like a lot of younger cats that you know like i would have like a lot of people come up to me afterwards and be like damn i'm so happy you're, you're torn again because i never thought I'd, I'd be able to see you play yeah yeah and i was just like damn that's crazy you know so we have like this really nice mix of age range now and but the a bigger diversity of you know of, of uh of just i mean like all you know all types of people and just like you know all types of you know um genders you know, I mean, like every, it's, it's just a, i can't explain it man it's just it's a real nice mix of people that are coming out um and i'm to be honest man like i'm i'm, I'm humbled and i'm souped that that you know that uh that younger cats are, are into what we're doing mm. you know I mean? and and i just want to talk about um asphalt freedom quickly because when i as i say when i saw that it was being released i was really excited and i think i, I just wanted to talk about the, the first track shattered because obviously for for me again as a fan, I think it's the perfect kind of tone setter for the, for the record, and it also the perfect return as well. So, when you kind of recorded that song, did you think right this is the song that we need to to open the album because it, I th I think it it encapsulates what dialect is about. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know if we had that thought. I mean, like we knew it was a good opener. But, yeah. Uh, to be honest, like the the song that really made that album happened was uh was a uh, mass laughter oh, okay because we um when me and uh well, the, my, my new co-producer uh mike Mandeka, like when me and him got back into the studio and you know mike mike's history with us i don't know if you're aware of it like he, he played guitar with us since the absence yes days. yeah so he was like he was on tour with us forever he, he was in this project called uh um destructive swarm bots who like were you know was the opening band for a bunch of dialect tours He's been part of the Dalek family for a long time. So when I restarted, that was another factor. Like once once I knew that that the octopus wasn't wasn't gonna come back, I wanted to make sure that the people I was working with would fit what Dalek is. Yeah. You know? And not not that I wanted to recreate anything, because that was that that's part of that's part of Dalek's mold is the fact that we we oh we don't we don't make the same records. You know I mean, like we keep trying to push forward and you know push push the Dalek sound and see where we could take it. And that's, you know, that was the whole mission was like to, to make a dialect record that sounded like dialect, but that sounded like now. And yeah. Not, you know, not, I didn't want to recreate absence. I don't want to recreate, you know, filthy tongue, any of that. Uh, banded language, none of that. Like, my, my mentality is like those records, we already created those records. Like, you know I mean, like if you want to listen to them, they exist. Yeah. yeah. I want to, uh, you know I mean, like I, I want to create like records that represent who I am right now as a, as a person and as a musician, you know, so, um, Bringing bringing Mike Mateka into the mix was just perfect, man, because he, he completely gets it, and it's like he brings like a like a breath, like you know, like he brings like new styles to the table when he brings like this, you know, this newness. But at the same time, he's been there for for so long that he gets like what we are. Mm. You know what I mean? So it was like it was the perfect combination, like having DJ Rec, who was the original DJ, you know, from like when we first started. Um, myself and then having Mike my, my, my as my co-producer just kind of created like this you know because you're not everyone's going to bring new things to the table so it's like we 
the sound again it's dialect but it's it's now it's it's what we're doing now it's not old dialect yeah so when we did mass laughter like mass laughter is like one of those songs man like when we were done it, it's just so crazy how quickly that song came together but I, I honestly, if, if I tried to sit here and tell you how we wrote it, I, I <laughs> would have a very hard time. It was almost <laughs> like imagine. a song that we that we that somehow had to be made, and we just you know, like we just went through, like we made it happen somehow. But I don't really remember exactly like what we did. Yeah. But um, but it's crazy, man. Like that song just came out, like came out so easily and so fluidly and naturally that uh. That, that was the point where we were like, yeah, like, you know, let's just, let's work on more. You know, because originally I was like, oh, let's, originally it was going to be a seven inch. Then uh, Profound Lore contacted us saying that they wanted to do uh, an EP. So I was like, all right, you know, let's, let's grab the seven inch and we'll take those two songs and maybe add like another, like one or two. Yeah. And then just within those sessions, like just more and more songs started coming out. And we were like, you know, I contacted, and I was like, yo, uh, I contacted Chris at, uh, at Profound Law and I was just like, yo, I was like, would you mind if this became like, you know, an actual full length? And he was like, not at all. Like, <laughs> sure, let's do it. So, you know, he was, he was real cool with that. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we handed in like a, a full album. So, um, it just, you know, it, yeah, I mean, like, it, like that, I would definitely say that Laughter is the one that cap, like, kind of like, to me, captivates, like, you know, like, you know, it's, that, that's like the sound of like what, what the, what the album is. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Shattered, I mean, to be honest, I mean, like, you know, like, I don't, I don't think there's, like, I like every song on that album, so, you know, I mean, like, Shattered, uh, definitely, like, when I heard that song, I was like, yeah, that should be the opener. Yeah. Um, and I just want to kind of talk about, like, lyrics quickly, because I think throughout your sort of uh, catalogue of material, like, your your lyrics have kind of gone with the times, um, and as you mentioned there, obviously, you want, to, want dialect to be sort of in the now and things like that, so... Is it a case of you just being inspired by what's what's around you, or do you kind of um, focus on on any particular topics when you're writing your lyrics? No, nah, I mean, look, it's it's more about just you know what's going on in my life, what's affected me, think, you know, my reflections on on, on certain things. Um, you know, there's uh, there's no there's no like set topics that that I'm going after. It's just unfortunately there's there's a lot of a lot of recurring topics just because you know the nature of this world yeah um so you know that that's really you know where it's at like i said it's, it, to me it's more like therapy man it's just like a lot of things that you know i need to say and get out of my system yeah and uh you know th- this allows me the uh the format to do that you know it's be- better to do this than be out in the streets yelling <laughs> my yeah. so and also with your kind of vocal style um uh, as well as musically I think as soon as you hear your vocals everybody knows oh that's a dialect track sort of thing as, as well as kind of whatever the beat and everything going with it is but uh, and I mean this in the, in the utmost respect but I think some people reading kind of other comments and things don't necessarily warm to your kind of vocal style So, but do you think that works in your advantage that that you're quite different in the kind of hip-hop electronic world that even if people don't like you you still stand out yeah i mean like i, I think I've, I've said it like in a few interviews and i, and I honestly mean it i mean like i, I just fuck <laughs> like, yeah. i just don't like i don't know like like people you know i've, I've, I've heard it all man I've, I've heard people tell me you know like oh you're not hip-hop you're not an mc blah 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 all this shit and i'm just kind of like yo b like, you don't know anything about me you don't know yeah. anything about where i come from you don't know anything about like what i've been through you know what I mean? Like, people people yap a lot, man. People can talk <laughs> a lot of shit, but at the end of the day, 
Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm gonna say what I need to say. You know what I mean? Like if if, if someone really has beef for me, like they they they're more than welcome to come to my face and tell me to stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? And obviously now you're kind of working towards the release release of the new record, and obviously you've just recently um, put out the first single. So what what's kind of um, what's for you personally? What's kind of like the progress been from from um Asphalt Freedom to um Endangered Prophecies? Um yeah, I mean like the new record is uh I don't know, it's a style of its own, man. Like I'm I'm really excited about it. It's it's uh it might be like one of the one of the slowest records I've ever heard. Oh okay. And uh yeah it's 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 crazy man. It's like uh, you know it's funny they talk, talking about lyrics, um there's a lot of vocal styles that I don't I think a lot of like not many people not many people have heard me do okay you know what I mean so there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on lyrically and vocally that, that we haven't done before um, musically same thing like it's kind of like you know we're walking into uncharted territory but it still has that familiarity you know what I mean like it still has that dialect sound but uh it's just you know what I mean like it's, it's just heavy dark um you know it kind of reflects the times perfectly I think yeah and with something I wanted to kind of ask as well, because I think, especially here in the UK, like there's a big kind of buzz around sort of grime and uh, sort of drum and bass kind of uh, hip hop at the moment. Um, and people are kind of delving into different sort of areas. But with yourselves, I think it kind of harks back to what you said at the beginning, like the, the mentality of just getting in a van and going. You're you're almost embedded in the kind of punk scene more than than that scene. So would you, when you're kind of out on the road, do, what what are your crowds like? Are, are they are they very obviously? I, I know it depends on the bands you're playing with, but for for a dialect headline show, for example, is it a mix of hip hop and punk fans, or what what do you find it? Yeah, I mean it's definitely it's definitely a mix of people, um, but. Like I, I wouldn't even I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you like you know like what like exactly like their other likes are you know what I yeah, mean like, yeah. we, like we have like we we'll, we'll have like you know straight like noise fans or metal fans or hip hop fans um it's just a mix of people man like it's you know it's it's it really it really is like that you know like those percentages of people that were it, you know, that got into us over the years from us playing different types of bands, you know. So that's that's basically what it is. It's basically like all like a bunch of weirdos, you know, <laughs> which, I'm, which I'm good with, man, because I'm, 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 that's me. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's what I am, man. Like, I'm, I'm into, I'm into like all different styles of music. Like, I, I'll be the weird hip hop kid that'll be at a noise show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So... Like, I'm, I'm good with that, man. I, I relate with that. And, like, that's the thing, man. Like, I, I just, I want the people at my shows, nine times out of ten, are, are open-minded people, man. And that's, to me, that's the most important thing. You know mm. what I mean? Like, having having people that genuinely love music and that genuinely, you know, respect music and aren't concerned about labels and, you know, like, oh, is, is, it, is it cool that I'm here at this show? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I never want people to feel like that. Like they can't come to my show because they're not wearing the right the right uniform. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, like I feel like that's that's a, that's a major problem with just about every genre and scene. Yeah, is that if you don't like if, if you don't conform to to the to the to the agreed upon 
uniform clothing <laughs> or you know whatever character you're supposed to be playing that somehow you're not into that music and i feel like that's stupid man because look look at look at a man like look, look at a man like um rick rubin right yeah if you saw rick rubin in the back of a room while ll cool j was playing and thought that he's not a hip-hop fan you'd be an idiot because he wrote most of the beats mm. you know what I mean? so that that's you know rick rubin produced like how many different types of bands man yeah you know what yeah I mean? like so it's like to judge to judge someone by like you know like how they like how they look or whether or not they fit into a scene. I don't know like that. I I hope that like we've done we've done at least a little bit to kind of like break away from that kind of mentality, man, with what we do and with the shows we put on. You know? Yeah, and obviously prior to hiatus and and obviously coming up well and since and coming up, you you've been touring all over the world. Um, obviously you're. This summer you're doing a tour in in the states with Cult of Luna and Hawes, and then you'll rover back in Europe and the UK towards the tail end of the year. Um, but for you, what's the kind of the difference between the audiences that you kind of have? Like, obviously my own experiences are only here in the UK. So, what? How do kind of the different reactions vary in the different countries for you guys? Yeah, I mean Europe, Europe and the UK have always been amazing for us, man. And uh, you know. And- in in all reality, I mean, like the the Europe, Europe and the UK have been way better than the US has ever been for us. Mm. Um, to the point where I think we kind of neglected the US for a long time. Okay, know? because we kind of just we were like, well, people are into us in Europe, so <laughs> yeah. why don't we just play there? Um, but I feel like I feel like that you know I think that might have been a misstep on our, on our part as well. Like I really feel like we should have continued to to play the US more. Um, so that's something that we're trying to remedy now, and we, we uh, you know, we've been out in the U.S. like numerous times. Like you were saying, like you know, going to be out with Cult of Luna and Horrors coming up. Uh, we were out with Daughters and uh, Odonis Odonis uh, about a month ago. So we, we're trying to do more U.S. touring, and you know, we'll have more stuff coming up to announce uh, with the U.S. as well. So you know that the u.s shows and crowds are still smaller than europe at this point just oh, okay. because of the fact that we stopped we yeah kinda, we kind of stopped playing here um and we're just concentrating on just playing in europe uh in the uk like and festivals over there yeah and japan as well but um we kind of want to you know I, honestly i want to i want to play as many places as we can play so we uh you know we made it a point to play more u.s dates and uh play more, more u.s shows mm. Um, when you come back over to to Europe and the UK, but obviously in November, is there any particular date that you're looking forward to over over any others? Um, I think it, it would probably have to be the the Sonic City uh, Festival. Yeah, that we got invited to. Yeah, it's uh, Thurston Moore is uh, curating it, and uh, I mean, like the lineup is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, uh, it's like this heat. Uh, obviously, Thurston Moore is playing. Uh, more mother is playing so i think that you know like i love i love festivals like that man like we actually we curated the first version of that festival oh okay and it was yeah it was just such you know such an amazing time like i'm you know i'm really looking forward to coming back uh, to perform with this lineup because it's uh it's amazing you know what i mean so i'm definitely looking forward to that cool um the way that I like to, to round these things off is um, is to kind of ask a, a generic question, but it could be a bit of a twist. So um, for, for you as a performer, what is your favourite dialect song to play live? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, trying to think. I don't know. Probably either Asylum or Ever Somber. 
And any particular reasons why? Uh, I don't know. Like every samba, just kind of. I feel like every samba just kind of captures like a lot of what, what what we're about, and it was just you know again like it's from that era, like you know from from the Absence record. So I've been playing it for a long time. Yeah. And it's actually one of one of the few songs that like I'm, I don't get sick of from, like, <laughs> yeah. the, early, the early stuff. So, uh, that, I mean that I wanted. I actually you know what I I probably throw in like one even early that we started playing again is uh, classical Hassad. That's always fun. Okay. Especially because uh, now it's just cool because like when we recorded that uh, DJ Rec had done the cuts, but then he left the group shortly after that. So I never re- I think I only performed it with him live like early early on. Oh, okay, that's and pretty then, cool. Uh, and we, we kind of brought it back into the sets now, and he's the DJ again, so yeah, it's cool yeah. to kind of have him doing the cuts again. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for, for taking the time to, to speak to me. Um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, um, and I look forward to seeing you back over here in the UK in November. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. Cool. Thank you for having me. No worries. Take care. Please. So there we have it folks thanks again to mc dalek uh for taking the time to talk to me really appreciate it um i told you guys absolute cracker of an episode so yeah really really appreciate will taking the time to have a chat with me um as always you can keep up to date with what dalek are doing on all various social media platforms uh on facebook it's facebook.com forward slash dalek music uh on twitter it's at dalek nwk uh, and Instagram is the same, DalekNWK, all one word. Um, as always, you can keep up to date with us on Twitter, which is at just underscore and underscore insight uh, on Twitter. Um, or you can drop us an email, it's just underscore and, and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk. Completely forgot my email address then. Um, yeah, just drop us some feedback, let us know who you think we should have on the show, so on and so forth. Always like to, to hear what you guys think of the show. Um, also, if you're listening to this on on iTunes, if you can sort of, uh, if you're not already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. Give us a rate, give us a review, or just tell a friend. Or if you like the show, just be like, "Oi, check this out." Re- really appreciate it because um, I've mentioned before, sort of next year. Uh, th- obviously, this has been the first year that I've done the show, um, and it's been, it's been a learning curve. I've really enjoyed it. Um, but I think next year I'm going to kind of push different avenues so it's not just the, the same kind of format. Obviously, I know we have the wrestling shows as well, but I want to kind of do a few more one-to-ones, uh, the, the same insights that we've done with the bands, the wrestling shows, uh, respective wrestling reviews, all kind of different things. So the more I kind of get on the iTunes radar, I'm going to try and get onto other platforms such as uh, Stitcher, Acast, podcast addict if i can at some point i need to look into those things i still need to upload things onto youtube i've just been super busy and haven't had the chance but they were I, my plan he says fingers crossed by the end of the year everything will be up on youtube um but yeah that's that's for the future but anyway for now uh oh no next week sorry i'm I'm really going off on tangents today. Uh, yeah, next week we'll be a wrestling roundtable show uh, if all things go to plan. 
But yeah, for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining me on the Justin Insult podcast, and I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.